Percy, the Prince of Fresh Air. I am the most charismatic gentleman in history. I like that. I like that. Thank you. Except now on this show, he's the third most charismatic gentleman. (laughs) Oh, Oh, who's the other two? Who's the other two? Oh, damn. Mark's pulling privilege because he's a (laughs) co-host. I'll see y'all later. I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) But you are laughing. That's true. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Lucky. Lucky. (laughs) Hey, by the way, I saw on IMDb that you have a film, was it, or a TV show that happened that's coming out this year? Oh, it's a film. Film called Third Week. Nice. Yeah, it's... uh... It's something that I shot last April, Staten Island of New York, and uh, it's a 90s piece. So it was basically based in uh, 1990s in uh, you know urban area, and it's just about a guy who, who you know, hangs out with people, get caught up in trouble, and now he's trying to find his, he's trying to navigate life. He's a young guy, you know, someone in his 20s, so he's trying to navigate life after doing his loose and and the penitentiary. So it's a, it's a really cool, uh, great film. That was great to be, a, uh, grateful to be a part of. So was your character part of the trouble that he's trying to traverse? Come on. Nope. I'm always part of the trouble. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the charisma. Exactly. It's more but fun this, that way. It, it is fun that way. But in this one, I actually, my trouble is more of the fun type of trouble, not the get you clank, clank behind bars type of trouble. So it, it's, uh, I, I wasn't able to go to premiere because I was in LA when it happened. But based off what I heard, uh, based off all the, the, the from the private screen, and everybody loved my character. They thought I was a, a great hit. I because my character is supposed to be someone who livens up the the mood. You know this this movie deals with dark undertones in a sense and talk about political society issues. So having someone like me come on and, and kind of just brightens up the screen a little bit, adds some energy to it. I think it's uh, something that I enjoy. Uh, I think I usually light up the room anyway. So it just made sense for me to do that. Yeah, It's fresh air. You're injecting fresh air into that. Piece. Exactly. Yeah. Now right? I know people, people going to be mad because what happened in New York the last week, it's not my fault. I tried. Took the smoke from Canada, you know, <laughs> the Canadians. That is yeah, so dude. funny. I just saw a headline of that yesterday, and I wasn't even sure it was real. So it's real, huh? It is real. I haven't left the apartment since Monday because oh. I have asthma, so I can't just be running around. I usually work out outside. I haven't been able to do that. So, you know, it's uh, it was weird. It was like watching uh, – have you ever watched, like, Independence Day or one of those, like, sci-fi? Yeah, or Blade Runner – 40, yeah, right. Mad Max when you know the world is like the or California two thousand twenty two thousand nineteen <laughs> two thousand twenty one. I've lived it. Bro. I'm not saying nothing. Governor Newsom, I don't know what he said. I don't know nothing. 
<laughs> oh, now we're getting into politics. <laughs> no, Everything is politics. That is true. I agree. If, if you got money, it is. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that, too. That's why I throw it in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh dear, we're gonna have fun. The circus Percy, is. Gonna what do you got cooking next? What I got cooking next? You know, unlike the Rock, I can actually smell and see what's cooking. Uh, no, I can't. I'm lying. Uh, but I have some uh, some things coming up. I actually got to go back to LA next week to do a couple things. But uh, just mostly right now with the industry being. But the writer strike and everything right, happened. Things right. a little slower. So right now it's just waiting to head back from a couple auditions and opportunities I've been doing the last couple of weeks and and just uh, you know enjoying this free time right now with the industry a little slower. It's a good time to just relax, sit back, enjoy myself. You know, being in this industry is always you never know what's going to happen. So knowing that for the meantime, although I am auditioning stuff, I can you know actually enjoy my free time now. You know. I, I'm just, you know, trying right now get myself right back in shape, you know, for TV and all that good stuff, doing podcasting and uh, doing more content creating, which I, I'm glad I started doing because I, you know, I, I need a, you know, I know people want to see the hair more often. I just, you know, I, I try not to give too much, you know, it's like I sugar. <laughs> How did you start um, creating identity with your hair? Uh, so. You know, it's something I don't, I haven't really talked about. I think I finally opened up, it was a video I did for a big YouTube channel called Jubilee. I, I ended up opening about my experience because a lot of people assume I'm a tool job. I, I'm full of myself and I'm this and that, which is true, 100% true. <laughs> but there is more to me than that. And I think for me, for the longest, for, you know, up until I was, what, 23, I always had, I wouldn't say self-identity issues, but I kind of lacked self-confidence in the sense that, you know, I was always the guy, you know, people liked, you know, I did card magic and I, you know, I was acting. So people liked me, but I wasn't very personable. I wasn't picking up every girl in the room like some of my other friends were. I did. I wasn't that type of guy. So, and I always found myself not understanding where I fit in because some people thought, I wasn't good enough for them. Other people thought I was too good enough for them. So I always, I had to figure out who I was as a person. So moving to LA and, and being away from family and friends for the first time in my life, being young, I think I was forced to start really developing who I was as a person. And I always had short hair. Uh, I think I've, I only started growing my hair out when I was about 19. So now have being able to grow my own hair and do my own thing. I said, you know what? You know, being an actor, let me, I'll give a little inside secret, right? You know, when I go in these audition rooms, people tend to look alike, you know, because it's a certain role, people having a vision. Okay, the casting director says, hey, uh, they want us to wear a black shirt and blue jeans, right? So everybody goes in there, but everybody looks alike. And then in comes me. And people are like, who is this douchebag in a good way? <laughs> So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a balance. It's like my mother hates it. Some people hate it, but it, it works for me and it helps me. It's not something that I'm doing for attention seeking, although it feels good to be, you know, people recognize me, of course. But I do it more, more, so, more so because I want to show people that, you know, 
be comfortable in your own skin. You know, do what makes you feel comfortable. And so often people tell me, oh, you need to cut your hair. Uh, I don't like it. Well, it's not your life. And it's not, you know, my journey is going to be different from yours. So you go in a different direction than I am. And for me, it works. People like it. Uh, people like to work with it. Uh, people want to know more about me. Uh, and it, you know, and it also gives me more opportunities to to do other stuff. So I'm gonna continue rocking until maybe you know when I'm trying to have a family or something. Who knows? But that's many years from now, so I'm not worried. It's a great way to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, which is really critical, right? It's definitely a character into itself. It and, is. You know. Yeah, it's it's you know I had a conversation with my manager because I you know I saw my manager like a month and a half ago. And that was the first thing she mentioned. She said, you know, and we, we, you know, we talk about the industry because, you know, for an actor, I only know, well, for the longest, I only knew what it was like to be in front of the camera. So now understanding the behind the scenes stuff, it makes sense. So one of the things she said was, you know, when I'm looking at actors or I'm looking at people who I want to bring onto my roster, I'm looking at what type of stuff, they can go out for and what they fit in my roster. Because the problem is if you get everybody who looks alike for the same, you know, it, it's going to be hard to, you know, send, send people to certain things because everybody looks alike. So, you know, for me, it was one of those things. She said, I like the hair. We could do a lot with it. And besides, I could always tie it up. I could braid it, you know, so it's always that room to, it's not always just out. So I think for me, I've just learned to understand what show business is. It's entertainment. People want to see people and, and be entertained. My hair tends to entertain a lot of people. So why not use it to my advantage? You know, superhero movies, that's where I'm trying to go. So it just naturally makes sense, you know? I love it. It also reminds me, um, <clears throat> I identify a lot with the hippie scene from the late 60s and 70s. And Mark does too. And there's a song there about almost cut my hair. Um, and it's a song of freedom, personal freedom. You know, and even thinking of that Broadway play hair, that was, um, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of freedom of identity associated with letting one's hair grow. It's it's unique to everybody. You know, one of my buddies, he's been in the industry way longer than me, and, you know, he's been doing some really good stuff. But I remember when we was in high school, he his hair was always long. He always had long hair. And now it's reversed. You know, now... I have long hair, he has short hair. And I always ask him, I was like, what made you cut your hair? And he said, you know what? I grew up with it all my life. And it was just something that, you know, it's one less thing I have to worry about. You know, I can keep it short. I have to worry about, you know, fixing up in the morning and, and everything. So it really just depends on the person. But some people, they like their long hair. It could be a culture thing. You know, some cultures, they prefer long hair, you know, dreads and all that stuff. So for me, it's... Uh, I have grown that, which is weird. I never was really attached to my hair as much, but now I find myself uh, being attached to it. It's, it's hard for me to even consider cutting it because it, it has made me, it came on a journey with me as well as a self-reflection. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, it, it could just be, <clears throat> some people think I'm attention seeking. I'm not. It's not like something that I do drastic measures to walk down the street and look crazy. I, I don't. I literally wake up take it out and go about my day. But it, 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 for me, it was a going through my hardest, my darkest moments and my self journey. My head came along with it, which is kind of weird for some people, but it, it was there for me. And it's something that people like and resonates with. So 
why, why stop the train now? You know? Amen. Amen. You know, and what occurs to me, a couple of things like the attention seeker thing. I say, good. You know, for one, you're an entertainer, as you said earlier. Right. So that is meant to attract attention. And there's also, I think, we're divinely created. I think that our divinity wants attention. You know, it's your light that's shining. Right. I know what is shining, Mark. I like that. What's going on? Shining real nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's no powder cake on this to give me light. That is it's a shiny bright and shiny. Right, that is shiny. Dwayne and Rock Johnson got nothing on that. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you better not. No. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned now that you're looking, uh, seeing a little bit behind the scenes, are you starting to do work that's on more on the production side of the camera? And, and how, what do you mean by that? Uh, so no, I, I, maybe in the future I will, but you know, it was something I started understand. I, I, I got interested in. So when I was in college, my senior capstone, I was a theater major. I had to put on a whole production. So this is my first time being behind the scenes. I wasn't on stage performing for the first time and, you know, eight, nine years. So for that, you know, I was the director, the producer, the casting director, and I had many hats and I eventually got one of the girls that did uh, production assistance for some of the plays I've done at my school, I got her on board to help me pick cast and all that stuff. And that was a, a, a couple months long process of finding something, rewriting it, and then, you know, casting and doing rehearsals and stuff. And it made me realize it's a lot harder than, I, you know, we think, you know, especially as actors, we tend to think, you know, for us, we just show up, memorize some lot. Well, I'm not trying to say it's easy by any means, but for us, we only think memorize lines, hit our marks, you know, do our character and go home. But for director, it's much more than that. You know, you got to worry about how the script is. You got to worry about the lighting. You got to worry about the camera. You got to worry about the placements. You have to worry about how everybody uh, blends in. You got to worry about the every sound, everything. It's so much going on. And this was just a small theater play. So understanding now, what goes on for TVs and movies, which I can't even fathom. But on my free time now, I like to understand it because this is a business. And I think, you know, with the industry changing now, especially now with everything self-tapes, we all got to be our own directors now, our own producers now. So when I get an audition for a TV show, it used to be, all right, memorize some lines, go to uh, go to an audition, and then you just leave it. You go home. Now I got to, you know, get a green screen. I got to set up. I got to set up the camera. I got to have someone who can read for me. Then I got to edit. I got to send it, you know. So now understanding what it's like to be behind a camera it also makes my job as an actor even more. Under I understand it more and I appreciate it more because now I understand that I'm just a puzzle in all of this. You know, when we think of the big movies, we only think about the action stars. But without the director, without the, the, the sound gaffer, without the lighting guy, uh, without the people who's you know, making sure your mic is always on point. We don't think about those people, but those people are essential for all these big blocks, the movies that we, we like watching. So I think for many actors, if if I was able to give advice to say, learn about the industry, because uh, you may, you know, chances are you may find more work behind the camera than you will in front of the camera if you're trying to get to that upper echelon. So and besides, it's like a doctor, you know, you can just learn about heart, you know, if you want to do heart surgery, but why not know about the other stuff that goes around it just to be aware of, 
you know, your industry and your profession. So I, I enjoy it. Maybe in a few years, uh, maybe years down the line, I'll probably look into maybe a director, producer hat. But for now, I like being an actor, but it's always just nice to understand the business, which I think a lot of people tend to, you know, forget about. I want to ask a follow-up. If Okay, Greg. Um, there's this aspect of the way I approach things, and I imagine that you do too. There's this um, point at which you imagine or you envision either the character or the look or the way the line feels when you deliver it, and then you step into that imagined or envisioned possibility. So when you think about characters, I get that you probably have a vision that's happening for you. When you think about production, when you you, you mentioned uh, you don't have to worry about casting, you don't have to worry. So the question that came up for me is, do you sometimes have a vision? Like you want to see a certain lighting scheme or you want to see like a high angle or a low angle or, a, you know, do you get those kinds of inspiration visions to those? And when you're, is that how you think? Oh, yes, it definitely, it definitely, especially from an actor perspective, it changed the, the way how, especially now when I do auditions, it changed the way how I perceive the camera now. You know, back then I only relied on certain advice that, from other actors. Now I listen to casting directors and people behind the camera because they're the ones that make the choices. They're the ones that understand what makes a good film and what looks good. So now I'm I'm thinking about eyesight. I'm thinking about, okay, if the camera's here, if I'm turned too much this way, the shot is not really good. They, you know, if they want to use it for something, it's not it's not getting that that, that care the the character out or it's, it doesn't look presentable. So how about you know I cheat my shoulders this way and I look this way. So even though I'm not looking directly at the camera, my eyeline is right at the camera. So I'm not looking all the way at the far distance and ain't trying to figure out where he's looking at. So in some aspects, in the technical things, yes, it has made me aware. And I think in a good way, I think sometimes we tend to be a little sloppy, you know, if we don't audition or use our skills enough. So understanding behind the scenes aspect has definitely made me tighten up that. And also, and just in the grand scheme of things in the business, that's why, for me, I don't take a rejection or a no person anymore because I look at it from a, uh, you know, I remember having this conversation when I was doing my capstone. It was like someone was like, hey, man, I, th- I thought you would have cast me for this. I would have been perfect for that role. But from, you know, from the behind the scenes angle, you're looking at all the pieces you have. And you're saying, how can this person play off this one? You could be a great actor, but if you have no chemistry or the way how you present your character isn't conducive to the whole piece, I could work with you, which happens that I could work with you. But if I don't think your actor style blends in with where we're trying to go, then it doesn't make sense to cast you. I need someone who can bring what I'm looking for into it. So that's why for me, I've learned to just accept that I'm not going to be good for everything. Or if they like me, they like me because maybe they, their ideas changed. Uh, I fit what they was looking for. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, but it's usually a bigger piece than just, oh, he has cool hair. I want to cast. No, it doesn't always end like that. Sometimes it's, hey, the guy who weighs 400 pounds, and I'm not trying to fashion anybody here, but for someone like that, uh, for, you know, producer or whatever, they might say, he he has the comedic timing that we want, and we could play around with that. So it, it, it it's, it's so much that goes on behind it that you never know what someone's actually thinking because things change on a dime. Scripts change on a dime. So you never know, you know, but it has made me more aware of, you know, the technical stuff. So you're based in New York? Now I am, yeah. I was in LA for three years. Now I'm back in New York. Have you ever um, 
attempted to hook up with Spike's scene? Spike, um, Mike Lee and 40 Acres and a Mule. You know, I actually did meet him and I worked with him before. I was doing background, like during college. This is like 2018. Um, and he's a nice guy. I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, I will because I've only been back full time now since January. So, um, and I just wish the industry wasn't where it is now, which I'm, I'm, I'm glad for the writers and the directors and maybe the actors union too. Cause you know, people need to get paid for their work and you know, this other stuff going on that they're trying to protect themselves with. So right now, because how the industry is, there's not much going on aside from the stuff that's already been shooting. So, um, I would definitely like to work with Spike Lee. He was a nice guy. Uh, one of my buddies, he, you know, done a couple of things to Spike Lee outside of acting. So, you know, by all accounts, I heard he's an amazing guy. So if the opportunity presents itself, I will absolutely. Well, he's a pro- prolific artist for sure. You know? I, yeah, I feel bad for him. Like, I, he's still working, don't get me wrong. But I think I was having this conversation in the park the other day when I was working out. All the gentlemen and... He's he was asking me about Spike Lee too, which is funny, and I feel bad for Spike Lee because he's a he's an actor's director, meaning you know, ten I would say twenty years ago, American uh, Training Day, uh, you know, when we had Scarface and all like all those movies, that was a different time. Now the acting and the, the movies right now is more big budget. Blowing stuff up, CGI, $300 million budget movie. Spike Lee isn't that type of person. And I think for him, I, like I said, I would love to work with him. And I wish there was an avenue that he could still do a lot of more mainstream stuff. But, but the way how everything is going, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would still work with him. I, absolutely. But, you know, superhero movies and action movies are dominating <laughs> everything right now. So. <laughs> Uh, if you were a superhero, what would be the superhero you would invent to be? Ooh, ooh, uh, you know, I, I, I had this dream often. I don't even know. So I would love, you know, I like Martian Manhunter. I love the flash. Uh, I like Batman too. Uh, Superman, of course. I think for me, the type of hero I would be is uh, a guy you know what? In the ideal world, you remember Hancock with uh, Will Smith? Yes. yes. I'd be something like that. Like, <laughs> all fucked just, up in the head. <laughs> just acting the fool. You know? <laughs> just acting the fool. Why not? Uh, but then be in there at the right time to make the right decision to make sure that things turn out well. Exactly. You know, uh, and then I think... I, Honestly, I, I don't even know what um, – because I don't want to be a cliche hero, you know, you just fight. I, I want a little more, you know, stuff happening with the character. And there's no shame to any superhero movies coming out or have came out. But I think sometimes the formula gets rinsed and repeated too much. So I would like to play around with the character. I got to have a guy who – like a James bond type of superhero where – you know, he, he's picking up girls and he's, you know, having fun, you know, and like there's much more to him than just having superpowers, which sometimes superhero movies tend to just rely on. is just a, the, the power aspect. I would like to explore more, have fun with it. Uh, I want to have a superhero who's dynamic. And I know Dwayne and Rock Johnson did something like that with uh, 
Black Adam, even though he was more of a villainess type. But I would love to have a, a be a superhero who, you know, the scenes of him giving back, which I've done, you know, giving back to community, helping out the homeless and all that stuff. But there's also the other side of him too, where he's a goofball and having a good time too. So, you know, it's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yin yang of life. Exactly. You have to have balance. You have to. And that's unfortunately one of the downsides to the industry now, which I'm, I'm not complaining as much, but I also see what, you know, all the superhero movies now is like anytime Michael Scorsese, uh, Scorsese, for instance, want to create a movie, he has to make sure it comes nowhere near out amongst a superhero movie or nobody's going to watch it. So it's, you know. Well, I do see too, like people like Scorsese um, with all these platforms, like everyone's got their own streaming platform now. And mm-hmm. he, I think his movie that's coming out now is. Um, Oppenheimer, right? Something like that? No, no, that's the um Oppenheimer's the guy who did the Batman trilogy. Oh, uh, uh, wait, is that Michael Bay or um, no. um gosh, uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan? That's it. Yes, sir. Yes, oh, sir. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that looks really good. Um but here's, you know, like I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan, and uh-huh. part of what occurs to me is cuz is being true to oneself, my faith and my hope, is that eventually pans out for the best. Right. You know, like everyone can say, well, what we need is a $35 million blow them up titty film, you know? And you're like, well, that's not really what I do. And and if one is true to oneself, they will rise. I 100% agree. You you have picture last year, best picture. That's not blow them. I mean, it had elements of that because of the way that they were doing, you know, the, the, the pull zoom and all of those things. But the, that film was full of amazing ideas and new juxtapositions of philosophical things. Um, everything all at once or what, right now. Oh, everything here, yeah. Right? Everything right. everywhere all at once. Right. So I That's think that I think with the pendulum having swung so far to the blockbuster thing, like one of the things Transformers comes out um, like in a week or something like that. Very soon. I think it comes out tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, in a night. Yeah. New York it does. So uh, yeah, I'm yeah, out on a limb. I'm going to say that it bombs. It's not going to do more than $125 million. Wow. I think it'll do more, but I don't think it'll be a huge success. See, one of the things I re- saw years ago is China became a huge slice of overall market. So things like Transformers potentially can get up to close to a billion because of the foreign market. Mm. I think if they, and, you know, one of the problems right now with a lot of these movies is this political agenda is attached to it. I think if you could stay away from that and just focus on the art itself, Transformers, if honestly, you know, I, I'm just watching right before I joined, I was watching uh, Revenge of the Fallen, right? Last night I watched uh, 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 the second movie. I forgot the name of it. But, you know, Transformers are great. Bumblebee, I watched it. I think it came out Love last Bumblebee. year or two years ago. Bumblebee was f- fantastic. I think if you know they just keep if they just stay true, like you said, if you stay true to what you're doing, then Transformers have no reason to not do well. But I don't know. 
Too many hands in a cookie jar trying to get a payday. <laughs> well, yeah. I also think there's a possibility that the pendulum can swing back towards this idea of movies that have a human heart quality to them that are not, you know, $150 million budgets that really speak to people's pathos and the human condition and how we can come together. Like you were saying earlier um, that, that you, you know, people who come together, when we come together and work together, that, that there's a richness to life, that that's something that's one of your values in terms of the work you're doing. And so I just think that with the competition and then all the streaming platforms, there's these opportunities for these sweet human films to break through, to cut through all that. You know, and I was, I was having that conversation with somebody before. And here's the thing. I do want it to get to that point. The problem is we're living in an era now, social media, everything is five seconds or less. And, like, I watch YouTubers that I used to watch in high school now. And they're struggling to get views just because the industry has changed. Uh, the way how people view content has changed. So, you know, the the days of doing a 20-minute video is doing well are long gone. Unless you captivate somebody's attention within 5, 10 seconds, you know, TikTok, Instagram, uh, or, or short-form videos now. So a lot of people, when they go into the movies, they only go into superhero movies, CGI movies, because they know they get to see the stuff blow up. They can see things, you know, all this magical, cool stuff that happens in the movies. And I think it can get to that point, but I think it, it would have to be maybe um, 20 years from now when if people are able to go back to not having short attention spans. Because one of the problems... <clears throat> like, for instance, last year it came out. I didn't even know it came out, but this is a movie that came out last year with a, a star stud, celebrity filled um, movie. It had all the A listers you could think of, and it bombed at the box office. I didn't even know it came out. Um, but it's just because, you know, those movies 20 years ago, people will flock to see Ben Affleck, uh, um, uh, the guy who played uh, Jason Bourne, Matt Damon, Will Smith. Uh, all these actors and actresses come together in one movie. People used to flock to those, but now people realize, I, you know, I want to go see Superman fly and blow stuff up. I want to see someone, you know, a transformer jump out of the sky and do this crazy, you know, 360 flip. You know, that's what people want to see, and that's what's catching their attention, which is why it's funny you mentioned that too, because I know um, uh, um, Tom Cruise just came out and he said, uh, he he's trying to put uh, Mission Impossible uh, Dev Reckoning out amongst no other action movie because he's in fear that it's gonna that it's gonna mess with the the numbers and I don't blame him and that's the problem now too is like anytime anybody puts out a movie if it's anywhere sniffing near a Marvel movie chances are it's not really gonna do well I mean you could risk it you know but unless you're Tom Cruise who's a proven household name and has a bunch of followers that will always watch his stuff, chances are if you're a no-name actor, and no disrespect to them, but if you're going to get a Marvel movie, you know, who are people going to pay their hard-earned money to see? So, Well, let's even ask this. Do you think people are going back into theaters post-COVID? I have, Honestly, I'm not even going to lie. I know, you know, make sure TMZ ain't watching. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't been back in the movie. I haven't been to the movies in I think two years, um, uh, maybe even more, two three years, and because now, 
I realized, you know, don't get me wrong. I still, at some points, I do enjoy the, the the movie theater, you know, experience. Uh, but I realized if I could just do it from home, I don't have to worry about all these exorbitant fees now. Because first of all, movie theaters in New York absolutely expensive. Now, if I go to someone like Iowa and I can get it for five bucks, sign me up. But you know, now with movie theaters now charging airline prices where you got to pay extra for certain seats and stuff, I can just stay at home. And I think a lot of people also realize that everything is going to hit streaming anyway. You know, I'm paying 15, 20 bucks for the streaming service. Why go out and spend another, you know, if you're going out with family or friends or whatever, you're going to spend 50 plus dollars on food tickets alone. I do that when I could just wait for it to drop on HBO Max or Amazon Prime and I could watch it in, you know, two, three weeks. So, it's. I think there's always going to be a fan base for the theater. Will it? I think, but I think it's starting to dry up a little bit. People aren't flocking to the movie theaters as much as they used to. Can we switch directions? I want to kind of go on a sidebar. There's this aspect of digital modeling of actors and being able to capture their avatars. <laughs> and there's a movement that's heading that direction. And there's some sense that some really A-listers, as you said, will will get paid to have the full scan and the full capture done of them. And then their agency can farm it out to whatever production and they don't have to work. They just they just are there. Maybe they have to do the AAR or whatever. How, how do you see the possibility of the business of capturing those actors. Like there's an industry there. You're talking about being behind the scenes and ma- and making a living, right? It's all about the Benjamins really ultimately. I mean, it's art to want to love what we do and feel like it has purpose and value and human art. But at the same time, like this is the, the bleeding edge possibility of opening up a capture studio and capturing avatars of people. And what do you think about that? Man, I'm glad you asked me that because that is something I wanted to talk about. As I started understanding more about the strike and what's going on, I understand why they're doing it now. I could be selfish and say, yo, let's go, man. I'm trying to make money. I want to act. Let's go. But realistically, it is an issue. And I think a lot of people don't realize it's going to affect everybody. Right now, it's affecting the entertainment industry. But eventually, it's going to affect people's livelihoods, their jobs. Even if you're a mechanic, things are going to change. For example, just just a little sidebar, but there was a guy. Uh, this a guy I know at this the store I go to, and I need to help refine, uh, rewording my my website and my podcast and stuff. And he has an app that's AI based. So all he did was he took whatever um, paragraphs of documents I already had, put it in the app, and it made it so much better. It rewrote in less than five minutes. I was like, I, I mean, this is beautiful, right? But in the grand scheme of things, now with the actors and, and that stuff, they got to be careful with that because the problem with that is now you're dealing with now it's going to be a contract thing, a learning thing. Because, yeah, you might, you know, for let's say Matt Damon does that, get a digital uh, rendering of himself to be in movies. Now, companies going to say, hey, wait, wait a minute, Matt Damon, you asked for 15 million. Well, you know, instead of being on set for three months, you're only on set for a week. You're not getting fifty million. Uh, the best we can do is maybe five hundred thousand, and that's what's going to happen. It, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you know, you could kick back, relax, and you know, you may have not may not have to work as hard. 
But now the industries will start start paying people less. I'm seeing it now where a lot of you know voiceovers, uh, commercials, they're gonna get away with you know just using digital versions of people and paying you way less. So I think if you you know for for these companies, yeah, it's cheaper. So why would they stop doing it? But also now they're looking at wait, you know your daily rate is 200 million for a movie, uh, uh 20 million for a movie. You're not even. You know, we're using a clone of you. We don't need to pay you twenty million. You're not. You're not the star attraction right now. Your clone is. So, uh, you know what, Matt? We'll do this. We'll, we'll give you a million just because you know it is your likeness. This, you know, this is you. You know, but that's all we're gonna give you. And I think when celebrities start realizing they can't command the same amount of money that they used to, because now AI is taking over, they're gonna realize, oh wait, this is a bad idea. You know. Actually, it's the agencies that are going to pay. What happens is, let's take Matt Damon, for instance, or let's just say Will Smith. The main agency, what is it, something arts? I forget the name of the California Abrams Arts. Yeah. So that agency will buy out the visual aspect of your of yours, and they'll buy you out for like 50 or 100 million. Like the Rolling Stones sold their catalog to Virgin, all the rights to their songs, for $500 million. And so one of those agencies can go and they can go, we're going to scan you, Matt. We're going to have you do all the, the AI training with the voiceover. And we're going to pay you $150 million for that. And then we're going to charge whatever we charge for your digital avatar to appear in these films. And you can retire. And I think that's the model. It's not that the studio is going to pay the actor. It's that the, one of the talent agencies is going to grab all of the data that they can use to then animate with and, and recreate the live action look. Now that the technological barrier, there is still there. Like, I don't think people are ready to watch films that look like that because it's not going to feel right. But that's the model that I've been reading about in, in the entertainment press is this idea that you could buy out Will Smith for 250 million, whatever. And then he's done. And his avatar gets sold out to the agency. That agency could sell him out for five different, six different films for the year because he doesn't actually have to be in six places at once. Now, here's the, here's the issue with that, too. You know, we're talking about the real upper echelon of the people who could command $50 million paydays for a movie, right? Now, here's the problem. Okay, let's say they do that. They buy Will Smith and they say, oh, you know, we, we're, we're going to use your clone and, you know, we're going to do that now. So you could just sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Now, every commercial, every movie, every TV show could say, wait, we don't need to pay $50 million for Will Smith anymore. We could just use this clone now. So now it's becoming, from a from a behind-the-scenes standpoint, if a, if, for instance, commercials. If they're looking at, you know what, we really can't afford Dwayne and Rock Johnson. He asks too much money. But now we can use this digital version and pay way less. I don't need to hide this no name actor no more. Let's get Dwayne in here. So now it's gonna cause us it's gonna cause a lot more work to dry up for actors. It's gonna cause more work to dry up for you know production. Because now if you're using digital rendering of people, you don't need the light gaffer as much anymore. You don't need the sound guy. You know, the 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 amount of work is gonna start decreasing, which I think you know, from a privilege aspect, if you're famous already and you're you're already in that the upper echelon, you could kick back and relax because <clears throat> it's not going to affect you. But they also got to keep in mind they children. 
their grandchildren. If you want to continue that legacy of the Smith family in the entertainment industry, just know it's going to affect them. And I think that's the, I think if you're just selfish and you just care about your pocket, you don't care about what's going on at all. But if you're thinking about your, your children, uh, your, your family, your friends that's in the industry, you should care because at the end of the day, AI is a real thing. I, you know, I thought it was a joke. I went on Snapchat the other day just to have fun. And any time I asked the AI question, uh, AI question in five seconds, they had a full answer for me. So imagine now for a TV show, right? Let's say your favorite TV show is Ted Lasso, right? They usually, for those type of TV shows, they usually have three to five writers, right? Now with AI, the production might say, hey, you know, this 5 VI, you know, we have AI now. So, you know, for you, I could go home. I'll use you just to, you know, autocorrect, make sure everything is tightened up. But the four of you, you know, I wish you best on your future nervous. That's for people out of work. That's for people who may not be able to provide for their family. Um, and, you know, they're out of a career now. Now, could they find work somewhere else? Yes. But now with AI, a big thing now, there's no incentive to pay writers. There's no incentive to hire many writers because now you could just use an app that gives you the script that you're looking for. And the hell with everybody else. I don't need to pay, you know, $50 million in, in, in fees for these writers. I just cut my cost by, you know, 75%. So in the grand scheme of things, it is going to affect people, which is why this strike is very important, which is why uh, SAG is starting to consider getting it. The directors are starting to consider getting it too, because it is going to trickle down in the entertainment industry. Right now it's prominent, but tech, you know, cashiers, I mean, even the Amazon guy is going to start affecting everybody one way or another. We may not just see it, but I see it because of the industry I'm in. But uh, five, ten years from now, trust me, people are going to be fighting just to bag groceries at a grocery store because they're going to have a machine that could do it for you. You know, so. Right, so AI is here. It's not going to go back into the box. <clears throat> what? Uh, this is kind of a question for both of you. What solutions, and maybe you don't see any yet, but as creatives, how do we remain productive and lasting as creatives? You want to go first, Mark? Sure. When you are an independent thinker and the creative impulse that you give life to has a quality to it that arises from your humanity, your sense of community and context, that's nothing an AI can emulate. And we, the music analog is that we thought that drum machines were going to wreck music back in the 90s. And the reality is that they have their own place, just like with superhero movies, they have their own place. But the... The human creation, human creative creativity, it AI is going to need twenty years plus before it's operating at the level of depth and heart that um, a Shakespeare or you know a Spike Lee, you know these guys, the way that they construct the stories, the way the nuances of the characters get played out, the way those actors get directed, and then create something spontaneous on the set that the director and scriptwriter didn't even have an opportunity to think of. You can't replace with artificial intelligence. And I think it's like I said earlier, the, the pendulum is going to swing back to the independent, low-budget, high-level, human-based 
entertainment because people are going to be able to relate to it more and they're going to actually be pulling for that. They're going to be pulling up for that kind of creativity because that actually resonates more. I, you know what? It's a tough one, you know, and it, it, you know, it's funny. We think about AI as it's here. Some people still don't believe it. And even if you do believe it, it's crazy. 10 years ago, I was in high school. I didn't have a phone where I could just say, Hey Siri, uh, turn off the lights. Hey Siri, can you Google uh, uh, directions to this location? You know, I have a smartphone now that does everything. And I think having that type of power on your fingertips and especially for production companies, I agree with Mark. I think people really need to learn how to, uh, you know, stay independent and, and do things, you know, together. The problem is everybody got their phone. They, they had any phone now. Everybody's looking for the easy way out. So think about it this way. You know, I seen it in the model industry. You know, now, you know, a model did a, a piece where, now they could digitally alter someone's figure and face and all that stuff. So you could virtually show up tomorrow out of shape and they will make you perfect for that, for that, you know, thing in less than a day. So I think corporate greed is going to be one of those issues because I think writers, directors, actors, well, just for the ent- entertainment industry, I think a lot of them understand the dangers of it, but for the companies, for the, the higher ups, you know, from a business standpoint, they're looking at the the way how they can cut costs. You know, right now, like I said, you know, self tapes are a big thing, and because more people are working virtual, they're paying less, paying less actors, uh, pay actors less. You know, back then to be on the TV show for a week, you're looking at almost ten grand. Now you're looking at maybe sniffing two grand, uh, and that's if you have multiple episodes. So, it's, I think, I would like to for it to like Mark said, I would love the independent films and to get love and get the shine and for everybody to work together. But the people who finance in these projects, the ones that are in charge of the, the production companies and stuff, they're the ones that ultimately have to the, 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 make the decision for them. They're looking at AI as a great thing. Cause now I get to save more money. You know, they, I, I look at it this way, you know, let's say, Greg, you have, let's say I want to shoot a movie. Right. And I come to you and say, Hey, Greg, uh, I want to shoot this movie. I need $200 million, right? You might say, okay, but with AI doing most of the work, you'll need 200. I, I give you 50 million. How about that? 50 million should do it. And look at the profit that is, is being created now. Now imagine, you know, Transformers, for instance, right? Let's say it does a, a billion in the box office, but most of the work is AI. That means those production companies I just, I mean, they, they, they're getting all the money and actors are getting maybe 5% of that profit now. So it's, I think this strike is a big thing. Uh, the, 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 the problem is a lot of people don't want to work as hard as they used to either. You know, people don't want to work to 65 anymore. To be honest, I don't, you know, if there's a way for me to work a little less and make more money, I would do it. I think anybody would. So I think f- for, but also see the harm in it. So some people looking at it like, okay, well, you know, AI might take some jobs, but if I can work a little less and I can make, you know, still make the same money without doing more work, what's the harm in it? So it like it, it and, and to where Mark said too, if all these celebrities don't stand up too, there's no incentive for the production company to stop because if they always going to have a Will Smith, a Denzel Washington, a Tom Cruise, a Matt Damon, a Chris Hemsworth on, on speed dial or have their likeness on speed dial, 
they don't care because they're going to make their money. They're going to find a way to make their money. Disney is always going to make money. It's Disney. So there's no incentive for them to pay writers more, actors more. So I don't know. I don't know. I, we're so dominated by technology now. Well, bringing it back to the personal, um, kind of a underlying thing I've heard is that the ease, the propensity to support our human laziness actually works against us. So, yeah. so that to me means we should lean into challenge. Hmm. I, I, I think, I think we should, I think we should challenge it. I think the ultimate balance It's funny. You think I robot with Will Smith that came out what, when I was 2003, was yeah, it that? like early 2000. Yeah. It was uh, okay. like 20 years ago. That movie was so far fetched. The idea of robots and technology, you know, twenty years now. I mean, I mean, you have smart cars. You know, one of my buddies, I was in a Tesla for the first time. He was playing. He literally had. He, he literally was playing a whole video game on the tablet while the car was driving itself. I mean, the about a month ago, I'm talking with my son about AI, and I'm driving through San Francisco. A car goes by me with no driver and a person in the back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's crazy to think that we have cars now. You literally just want to be there just to make sure. But you could just kick back, relax, and fall asleep, and a car would drive you there. So I think it's – I think humans have became lazy with technology. No, people, less, you know, people don't even conversate as much as they used to anymore. I mean, I – I've been on, I've went out with people and instead of talking to me, they texted me and I'm right next to them. So, you know, I think it's weird, you know, and, you know, I'm in that generation now where I, I grew up with it. So it's not too weird for me, but I was like in the middle where I also grew up playing outside and having to talk to people. But I see the young generation, you know, my little sister who's, you know, under 10 or that generation, everybody got a big tablet, big phone. Something happened to your microphone. Something happened to your microphone. You not we can't hear you anymore. It's off. We are having technical difficulties. <laughs> now you're muted. He's checking it out. Okay. You hear me? Yeah. Yeah, you're back. You're back. Yeah. Go ahead, Mary. AI what about is supposed to be helping us. <laughs> so what AI were you saying about your younger sister and tablets and all that before you got cut off? Oh, yeah. You know, I was working at a, ten, a tennis facility in Long Island right after I graduated. And I was working with uh, kids from four years old to about, I think, 13. And the young kids, they didn't know how to play dodgeball. They didn't want to play no sports. But you give them Fortnite, you give them a tablet. They know how to work their way around it. And it's sad because I watch a lot of kids, you know, you give them a smartphone, they'll figure out anything. But you give them a book, they, they don't want to read it, they can't read. So, and I think humans too. I think I even see some of the older generation getting, like my mom, I watch on her phone. She'd just be on Facebook all day, you know. And I think that's one of the problems is because we have become so reliant on technology I don't know if there's a way back unless technology falls down and crashes like a Terminator 2 
with Skynet, you know, you know, you know, whatever burned down to the ground. I think it's only going to get worse, especially now. Uh, I'll let Mark go real quick, but I know um, uh, Apple just, they're releasing this new headset thing that's like five. The Visions. Yeah, Apple Visions. I I already know they're going to be having pre-orders by by the end of October. They're going to have a bunch of pre-orders. I mean, everybody is craving for the newest technology. Everybody wants the newest phone. Everybody wants the newest uh, trendy thing. So, you know, AI used to be such a foreign concept 20 years ago. Now it's here. And we and we still don't think it's going to take over. But I'm saying five, 10 years from now, Amazon has stores now where they don't even have cashiers. You literally pick up a cart sign and throw groceries and it scans it and it checks you out. So you could just go to your car right after you're done. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Is it cool to see? Absolutely. But you know what? It's a cash 22. It needs to be a balance, right? Uh, I think in some as- aspects for dr- truck drivers, right? I look at it and a good thing for some of them because now, you know, a lot of them can have more time at home. A lot of them don't have to worry about the dangers of driving, you know, 12, 15 hours at work. But the downside too is if we let it get too far, there won't be any truck drivers no more. So, you know, it's a balance. It, like you said, it's a balance to everything. Thanos, shout out to Thanos. <laughs> well, there's a um, there's an opportunity for us, um, but mo- more so for you, person, because of your age, to create art that addresses some of these social conditions, some of these. And that's what the role of acting and artistry and writing is. It's to, to have us kind of confront what's happening to our humanity in the day. And you can look at all the different films from the last 50 years and you can see that part of the subtexts is what are the social conditions that are underneath and what are, how those inform the way the pathos unfolds between the dynamics of the characters. And so you, with your perspective and your brilliance and your hair, have a brilliant opportunity to create <laughs> something new that speaks in that context, right? You still speak with an authentic voice and a brilliant imagination and good humor. And, but you bring people around to the fire circle of what the context we're, we're facing is today. So th- I believe that creativity will always find a way. I agree. I think, you know, I think we need people to, you know, bring this to light and stuff. I just, the the only part for me is I just don't see, this is not, you know, this is not a, like a social issue where we're talking about like racism and, you know, women's rights and stuff where people really care about this stuff. I think people, if they had a choice between the newest smartphone and having a balance, I think people aren't going to give it up because our society has made it so easy to integrate, has made it so int- integral in our society. No, just think about, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you used to go to the store, you had to pay cash or maybe a, gro- a, a, a credit card or something. Now, well, you, you you need your phone. As long as you have your phone, you can go like that and you're out the door. So I think we have become so reliant on technology. I don't know if we can ever bounce back from that just because it's, it's everywhere. Our TVs, our phones, you know, the way how we communicate, what we see at work. I mean... It's gonna be it's crazy, but I feel like a lot. Of, I'm not gonna say it. I want to get nobody fired. But no, I, go I, ahead, get I, on someone's fire. It's good. I, I guarantee you, there's professors and people who work in you know the higher up positions using AI to do a lot of dirty work. I'm telling you, like people, 
people see the, the benefit of it. So they have no incentive to stop because they look at it like, you know, I work 10 hour days, but with AI and all this new stuff, I don't have to work 10 hours. I can make work, you know, an hour and a half, two hours of hard work, you know, but I'm going to just let this write the paper for me. I'm going to let this write out my assignment for me. I'm just chilling. So I don't know. I, you know, I, I think if this was 10 years ago, we could have a different conversation, but I think it's so a part of our society. Now, everybody has a smartphone. It's weird to think if someone doesn't have a smartphone, they're an idiot. They're more of an jackass. What's wrong with you? How you don't have the newest iPhone, the Galaxy? That's crazy to think that we think think that way about people. But the reality of it is, you know, you know, people comparing about what gadgets they have now opposed to their intellectual capabilities, just because that's just how our society has wired us to. But here's what seems super evident to me is when I bring it to myself, it's very difficult for me. And what I mean by that is like, I can look at the populace and think, you know, most people want to be lazy. Most people just want to hang out on the couch and check into their phone. And I bring that train of thought to myself. And just about a week ago, I noticed, you know, when I'm engaged with games on my phone, I'm not engaging with my life the way I really want to. I'm right. not communicating with people the way I want to. And yet, in the past week, I've had one day where I haven't played games on my phone, even though I'm telling myself if I gave up the games, I would be better off. I'd be more aligned to the life I want to live. And what that says to me is much like working out, like physical exertion. There is a consciousness that I need to engage with that is difficult. Yeah. To live the life in alignment with who I want to be. You know, as people, we need to take, I've even urged some of my friends to just take a step back, you know, maybe 30 minutes, you know, people so hit to their phone now that waking up and checking your phone is the first thing most people do. It's not even a brush of sting teeth. It's to check how many messages or whatever's going on on social media. So I think it's up to people to really just take a step back and really say, all right, can I put my phone down for five seconds real quick while I go shower, use the bathroom? Uh, can I just wait, you know, five, 10 minutes before I check my phone and brush my teeth and take care of myself in the morning? The thing is, I, I think people are so accustomed for reaching for it and having everything at their hand. You know, I look at the industry, like I said, acting used to be, used to have to print out your headshots, print out your resume, go inside the offices and do it that way. Now everything is virtual. You want to get in touch with an agent, you send an email. Uh, you want to do an audition, you hop on your computer, you send in a self-tape. So the, it, it's, it's made it so much easier for people to do things because now the days of logging in miles in your car, people don't want to do it. I mean, look at work now. People don't want to drive to work anymore. People got used to working at home. So, I mean, now is it is going to get to the point where more people, I think it's weird, but not really weird. I've seen this happening. 20 years from now, maybe people might, I think the upper echelon will start this trend. We thought Tesla's wasn't going to happen. This happening, but 20 years from now, I see the upper echelon having robots working for them. I think it's, it's going to happen where people aren't going to really leave work, uh, leave home unless it's necessary, but people are going to have robots go do stuff for them, pick up the groceries, uh, pick up the dry cleaning, uh, you know, drive them wherever they need to go. It's, it's going to, it, it sounds weird now. I'm telling you, 20 years from now, and that's being generous. We see what's happening now. 
I say more like ten, but realistically, did you see that um, movie Wally? The, yes. The, so remember how everyone was just overweight, sitting in these chairs with big ass sodas and stuff. Do you think there's a potential that that'll be our reality on the planet? Oh, it's a, it's a, it is the you know look at look at the fitness industry now. You have you can literally buy a, equipment where it's digital, so you can increase the uh, the the pounds on the scale, and you don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. Now that could be a great thing, but also think now with technology, a lot of people aren't doing the hard work anymore. You know, now it's easier to just go get surgeries and stuff than go work out. So I think well, how lazy people are getting. I, th- I I see that happening. I think a lot a lot more people are, like I said, stalking their phone, doing virtual reality gaming, um, and don't want to work with their hands and, and feet like they used to. Humans were designed to be in tune with the earth, and you know, it's something I learned from a farmer when I was at college when I was working with him. It's it's a different feeling when you really dig your feet into the earth and your hands into earth. It's a different connection. We're losing that now. Everybody, like I said. The first thing we grab is our phone, our big tech, uh, big tablets, our big screen TVs. Everybody's eyes is concentrating on the screen now. So I think, you know, with the rise of delivery apps, uh, more dining options. It was weird. I went to uh, Washington, D.C. in April, uh, March, and they have restaurants where you just pick up and go. Like, you, there's nobody really in there besides the people maybe bagging the food. But it's literally a place you just go up, pick up your food, and leave. You don't place an order. You just go and, and leave. So I think people are more lazy. I mean, just think about it. With the escalators and, you know, the, the gadgets and stuff, people are more lazy. It's, it's it, Like I said, you need a balance. Like, you should be able to be on your laptop and to go work out for an hour. And then, you know, if you want to go back on it, fine. But I think people don't have that sense of balance anymore. I think it's out the window. It's been an awesome conversation. I'm going to go another direction now. Hang on. Imagine writing a play, right? Directing Mm -hmm. a play. And one of the main pieces involves interactive software where at certain points in the show, everybody in the audience votes on what happens with the next scene. So that you have this like tell a different story like those books where if you if you think this go to page 199 and if you think that go to page 200 like there's but then it's a live acted play with real actors and everyone in the audience you get to a point in it and like every freeze like you've been to acting school what's one of the first things they teach you is freeze right yeah and so everybody freezes and then there's like a two minute thing where they get tabulated and they all get in their little piece scene 27 and that changes the way the dialogue goes and changes the way the play goes what do you think of that idea oh i can see that being the thing uh i see that would be something hard see that would be something when people have digital um digital um copies of people that would definitely play because my fear with that especially with real actors is being able to understand you know in that case, you wouldn't need to know all the lines at that time. It's not like, you know, usually with film and stuff, you only learn it based off the day and what scene you're doing. So I would definitely be interested in that. Like, I watched, I don't know if you ever watched a show called Kaleidoscope on Netflix. It was something like that. Um, it was a show on Netflix. Um, it was right, eight I episodes. I do. You know I remember now. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I, at first I was like, what the, what, what is this? I want to watch this. And then I started watching it. I was like, wait, the fact that you can jump from number episode number eight to number three to number seven to number one, and it all makes sense, or you, it takes you on a different journey. I think that I think that's going to happen more often. I think allowing people to choose is definitely in the direction where I think it's going to start going. I mean, we see it now with a lot of content creators and stuff. They're making content where people can vote and, and and have a voice in the content now. So I definitely see that being a big thing. I would, I would say maybe like ten years from now, that'll be, be a huge thing. I think it'd be fun to do it as an art project, like art theater project, and have the actors have a storyline guide. But they they do dialogue as improv, right? Oh, improv, so, okay. Right, so you get the thing, and it's like, okay, the audience has decided that the main character breaks up with his girlfriend in that scene instead of staying together, and then they have to come up with a way, right? And even if you've gone to see that play more than once, you're gonna get a different performance, even if the same choice gets made in scene twenty-seven to go with that the actor breaks up with his girlfriend thing. I think, see, that's what I mean by there's the, where the human capacity for creativity is just so vast. And if this fat, bald, old dude who lives in California can think up things like that, we can do this. We can create amazing things together and AI and sit around with our phones. And, you know, it, it's not where we're going to end up. It's just not how it's going to go down. We, there's another surprise waiting around the corner doesn't have to be Armageddon. It doesn't have to be, you know, the, the death of civilization. <laughs> That's what I was like. I was like, yeah, it's called meteor crash. <laughs> I, I work with you every week, Greg. I know how to anticipate you now. Maybe that's the title of the play, Meteor Crash. Like, what are we <laughs> Meteor <doing>? Crash. <laughs> oh, reset. <laughs> and cut. I love it. Um, <laughs> I got can see that you are a brilliant and uh, charismatic man. You definitely are the number one charismatic man in this room, <laughs> Percy, despite my earlier joke. And you know what it is? It's your soul. It's not about your hair. It's your creative soul. Like everything you've said on the, on the podcast so far really came from a really honest, authentic, vibrant, like happy to be alive place. I'm so grateful that we've gotten to meet you. And uh, definitely want to stay in touch. And is there anything you want to say? Is there anything for our audience you want to tell them about that you're working on? Oh, Greg has something. Wait, yeah, we, have a, we have an important question that we ask all. Oh, yeah. Okay. Eminem or Foo Fighters? Oh, Foo Fighters? Oh, Eminem. <laughs> Foo Fighters. <laughs> oh, wait, are you a Foo Fighters type of person? I love them both. I fucking love them both. That's why the question is part of our show. It's the show we ask this question because there's no wrong answer. And it just reveals so much about people and how they see art. Like, and you know, say more about Eminem. Why is Eminem more appealing to you than the Foo Fighters? Uh, the Foo Fighters? I, I, to be honest, wait, aren't they the group that made uh, everybody who's Kung Fu fighting? If I, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> Foo Fighters is um, Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. And when and that's from the grunge era of the nineties, the rock band. And um last year their drummer died while they were on tour in South America and there was a big bubble. Yeah. yeah. And this rough. is great. This is the first time anyone's come on who doesn't know who they are. 
This is great. Love this, Percy. What is their most popular? uh... They've got a great song called Times Like These. Foo Fighters, Times Like These. But it's rock and roll. Like, if rock isn't your vibe, you're just not going to like it. I think I know maybe one song. I know the name because I've seen their name before. I've never listened to him though. Um, Eminem, I, he's not so, bad. I, I'll listen to Eminem, but he's not my favorite. So Don't we're me. asking the wrong question for you. No, no, sure. no. That's the right question. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So um, who's uh, like, obviously rap and hip hop is your vibe, right? Yeah. So who right now is a prolific artist where you're just like, yeah, this fucking person is. It was Pop Smoke until he passed away. Uh, oh, was murdered. But I, you know, I, I'm a guy who listens to little Tim McGraw, little Kidney Chesney here and there, little Pussy Cat Dolls. You know, I get around. You know, I'm a, I, if I'm a, you know, that's why you want me as a DJ because I got I got songs for everybody. Making my way downtown. That's right. I'm there. But uh, yeah, it was Pop Smoke for a while. Now, to be honest, my all time favorite, the, like the number one band person I would listen to is Coldplay. That's like the actual band I have multiple songs of. I don't get tired of listening to them. Damn, I never would have guessed that. I grew up I I listened to Coldplay from uh, all my high school years. All my high school years. Like I used to walk through Century Park, listen to Coldplay every day. Do you ever see them live? No. No. I'm not a concert person. I've only been to one concert. Fozzie with Chris Jericho. But I'm not a concert bro. I don't want to be around that many people. You know, one, I don't want people touching my hair. And two, because you know, <laughs> people do it all the time. It's really? so weird. It's so weird. That's you see the t-shirts that say, don't touch my hair. People don't, you know, it, 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 it flyergasts me. You know, when I was younger, you know, maybe when I was 12, 13, it was, it was funny. No, it was nice. It was a dorm. But now it's like. How old are you asking to touch my hair? Really? You don't even know me. Like, and I, I'm not gonna do you harm or anything. I just think it's weird when grown ups, hey man, can I touch your hair? It's like, you know, how old are you? You thirties? You asking to touch a, a, someone in their twenties hair? I, I don't know. I don't judge people. It used to be that women used to be that women wanted to rub my bald head. Now they just want to rub my belly. Used to be running like run their fingers through my hair. Now they just run away from me. <laughs> they still run. I I didn't say nothing. I, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> but you're laughing, and that's what we were hoping for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. I like you guys. You guys are great. Um, but you know, one thing I would say is, you know, like to, to what you said, Mark. You know, like I said, I think. So often we judge each other by, you know, like as a book, you know, you look at the title, oh, this is crap. But you'd be surprised when you actually get to know somebody. Oh, this actually more to him than I thought, you know, and I've I've started talking about it more because I think, you know, I, I think people have preconceived notions of me uh, and stuff like that. And I'm one of the most honest giving and I care about people, you know. I'm all about, you know, I used to work with drug addicts and people who were homeless and low income and stuff. And those were some of the most giving and honest people I got to meet. Well, I'm not saying that people who weren't like that 
weren't honest, but they was just it was it was always something to learn from. It was always an experience to for me that I took away from. So that's why I've grown to be more of a person that yes, I can be a little self centered. I can be a little selfish, but in a healthy way. I think we all need that. I think a lot of people suffer from lack of confidence and lack of self-esteem. So I'm just here to tell people, be confident in you are. Some people may not like it. Some people might feel like it rubs the wrong way, but be confident in who you are. But also don't judge people by the, you know, you know, judge people based off their looks, you know, get to know people. You'd be surprised. Some of the most Caring, giving people are people you would never suspect. R- real quick, I mentioned this too. The guy was talking about about the AI at the store I go to. He was telling me one of the customers is, uh, that comes to the store is Wes Craven, famous hard oh, director. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he, but he's not a guy who wears Gucci and he had head to toe designer. But he comes in and he talks and you know they have great conversations. And he even offered, you know, this when he was trying to do acting and stuff. He even offered to help work with him. And, but you know, that's the thing is you would, he said, if anybody else would have looked at him, they wouldn't be in front of him. Oh, he got busted up sneakers. He's, he looked homeless, but this dude was a millionaire. He's just, he don't care about materialistic things. And I think we need to get to that point. Don't judge people, get to know people. Yeah. That's uh reminds me of a Prince tune. I forget the exact lyrics, but I remember in my twenties, in essence, he was saying, are you going to, be against a person because they're rich. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do have that vibe. Like, I'm against you just because you're rich. Why am I pulling that? I want to be rich. And so even a person in a flashy suit or, you know, all gussied up, we should give them the time of day, get to know who they are. Although some rich people can be a little, uh, I'm not going to go there. That is true, but some (laughs) poor ones can be too. I, it, it is what it is. You know, I live in L.A., I've realized it don't matter what your social uh, socioeconomic standing is. People going to act like assholes whether they want to or not. I've learned to accept that. You know? Yes, sir. <laughs> People. <laughs> Thank God for AA. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> AI, no. not AA. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a, One, a, in the a same. Program One in the same. For people who talk too much. Exactly. <laughs> Assholes Anonymous. That's what we need. (laughs) (laughs) On and on and on. That brings us right back to politics where we started. (laughs) Hey, what's wrong with that? You already know. (laughs) Uh, How are we all doing on time? I feel I have to Um, I have to wrap in 15 hard wrap. Are we good? Percy, is there anything you'd like to promote? Oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, people, y'all more than welcome coming to my podcast through the Prince of Fresh Air. Been doing it for three years now, doing really well. You can check it out on uh, 30, 30 different platforms. I, it's hard to keep the track of it. And uh, my social media, Mr. No Days Off Percy, Mr. Dot. You got to put that dot right there, Mr. Dot, No Days Off Percy. Facebook, the Prince of Fresh Air. You can Google me. You can't miss this great luxurious hair. If you want to know the secrets, I don't got any for you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Also, before we wrap, you know, Dwayne Rock Johnson, you know, I got a bone to pick with you. You know, you call yourself the most electrifying man. Well, I'm the most charismatic man. And I think we need to have a, a face-to-face. So, you know, but that, without being said, I am the Prince of Fresh Air, the most charismatic man. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Recording stopped. <laughs>